This is a Soulfire production. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I have an incredible guest for you all today, my good friend, Mark Champagne. If you don't already know Mark, he is truly incredible and somebody that if you're listening to this show, you are going to love learning from. He is the host of Top 40 Ranked Podcast, Behind the Human. His show is truly incredible, and it's all about unpacking the mental fitness practices and reflective questions that shape the lives of some of the most successful and brilliant thinkers in the world. His roster of guests is truly impressive, and his show is great to binge listen to. You will learn so much about the way that so many high achievers think and how they plan their days and what they prioritize. And I just really, really love Mark's focus on mental fitness because you know, it's kind of a different word for a lot of what I talk about here, but I think it is really, really core to living your purpose and creating a really meaningful life that you love. He has studied mental fitness practices for over a decade. He's consulted with top-rated digital journals and wellness companies, and he kind of got on this track when he co-founded a journaling app, which ended up reading over 86 million people without any paid advertising, all within the first two years of launch, and then had to shut it down and leave it. And he talks all about that journey in this episode. And I think it's just really, really powerful to explore, you know, what are the practices and questions that we utilize to move out of what can feel like a rock bottom or a huge shift and pivot in your life, which I know a lot of people have been experiencing recently. And to take that to the next level, I highly recommend Mark's new book. It's called Personal Socrates. I think that this book is one of the most useful tools if you're interested in personal development. I talk a lot on the show about asking better questions, asking more precise questions. That's something I discuss a lot with my clients in business when people come in for intuitive readings. So I know that you've heard me talk about asking better questions, but what does that really mean? And what I love about this book is it gives you examples of really, really powerful questions that can allow us to shift our perception and really get to the answer that we have within ourselves. And so this book is really centered around questions from world-class performers, high achievers that all of us know, people like Kobe Bryant and James Clear and Melissa Ambrosini and Robin Williams. So many incredible minds, really powerful questions inspired by each of these people that can completely shift your life. This book I feel is really designed to help instigate the uncovering of the answers that are already within you. And if you are looking to get into a journaling practice or have a journaling practice, I feel like this will really take it to the next level. So I can't recommend this book, Personal Socrates, enough. I feel like it is so transformational and I'm just really excited for Mark to share more about it and the philosophy behind it. And I know you guys are going to love it. Mark is one of my favorite humans. I just love talking to him so much. I had the honor of being a guest on his show, I think a few months ago, or was that a year ago now? I don't even remember what, what is time. I don't know. But that was a really great conversation all about intuition. And so it was really fun to have him on my show. And I know that all of you are going to get a ton of value out of this. So I'm really, really pumped for you to learn more about Mark Champagne and personal Socrates. 
and you can find more from him on his podcast, Behind the Human. You can just search that on iTunes. You can also find the book, all the things at BehindTheHuman.com. His Instagram is at BehindTheHuman. So I would head over to BehindTheHuman.com, get your hands on his book ASAP. It is truly, truly incredible. So I'm really excited for today's conversation, and I just want to give a little reminder before we jump in. Only reminder for me this week is if you have been interested in signing up for a high 70 energy healing training level one or level two enrollment is going to open next week on October 18th. I'm recording this in advance and the wait list is already pretty much full. So if everybody who's on the wait list signs up, it's going to be sold out pretty much immediately. So if you do want to get in on this round, this is going to be obviously the last time I offer this this year. If you want to sign up for level one or both levels one and two, then you're going to want to get in ASAP. So get on the wait list. If you haven't already, you're going to get first access to signing up. And just a reminder that level one teaches you to uh, use a high 70 energy healing for yourself. So if you just want to use this for yourself, then level one is for you. If you do want to be able to send this to other people, then you will do level one and level two. And I will also remind you that the psychic development course that I offer is a prerequisite. So you have to have taken that course to uh, sign up for a high level one and two. There will be links in the show notes for all of the information that you might need. It'll also be in my Instagram bio, and of course on my website at christinathechannel.com. I am super excited for this round. It's going to be so much fun. Ahai has completely changed my life. Obviously, it is a really, really incredible, magical, miraculous form of energy healing, and I'm just so excited to be able to train more of you and attune more of you to be able to use this energy in your own life. All right, so that's that's my reminder for this week. Enrollment's going to open up on Monday, October 18th. So get on the wait list now if you have not already. All right. That's it for my updates. So let's not wait any longer. Enjoy this conversation with the incredible Mark Champagne. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or having trouble with your sleep, I totally feel you. I have been there. And one of the most helpful things I ever did for myself was got my hands on some Ned full spectrum hemp oil. Not all CBDs are alike. You want to be really careful with sourcing and quality, but Ned truly, truly changed my life. Super high quality. And I felt the difference helped me naturally get rid of my anxiety and depression that I had been struggling with for a really long time. It also has played a huge role in reducing my inflammation that I was dealing with from my different autoimmune diseases and the lingering symptom I was having was trouble sleeping. And since using Ned, I sleep like a baby. I cannot recommend this enough. If you struggle with chronic pain or inflammation, I highly recommend checking this out. I like to use the 750 milligram full spectrum hemp oil every morning, and it just evens out my uh, mood for the day. And the way that full spectrum hemp oil works is it supports the endocannabinoid system, which is like the body's balancing system, so to speak. So it basically regulates all of the systems in the body, which is why since using Ned, it not only helped to balance out my cortisol, but also my sex hormones. Their full spectrum hemp oil helped me get my period back after it was missing for four years. I truly can't live without this stuff. And their Ned sleep is the absolute 
best thing I've ever used to support my sleep. I sleep so well. I get so much rest. And I used to wake up every morning feeling like I wasn't rested at all, no matter how much sleep I got. That, the Ned Sleep, plus the Mellow, their magnesium, have completely changed the game for me. It is a super absorbable magnesium, the best magnesium I have ever tried. And I have tried a lot from my years as an NTP and trying all the supplements, all the things from all of my years struggling with chronic illness. These are must-have sleep products for me. So if you struggle with sleep, if you struggle with anxiety, these are things that completely changed my life. And that is why I feel so passionate about sharing them. So if you head to helloned.com and use the code Christina, you will get 15% off your one-time order or 20% off your subscription, which I highly recommend getting a subscription. Again, that is helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com and use that code Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A for 15% off a one-time purchase or 20% off your subscription, which I highly, highly recommend. Ned will change your life. I like to start off by asking every guest a few questions just to help the audience get to know you if you're if you're ready. Absolutely. All right. So my first question is, how do you like to start your day? What is your morning routine? Oh, the morning is by far the most important part of my day. So, I mean, I look forward to it uh, when I go to sleep the, the previous day because it's just... It's the time, it's, it's kind of the only time I have control of the day in some capacity. So for me, I get up, I've been doing this for about a decade. I get up at 5.34. I don't know why there's a, it's a 34. <laughs> I feel like at one point I read a book about, you know, that would help you wake up and just to pick random numbers. So it's not, I don't know, it's, it, you know, it's not 5.30, it's not 5.45, it's, it's in between. Anyway. Uh, that's the time I get up. And then from then, from that time until I'd say about 7.38, there, it's basically a block of mental fitness and physical fitness. So for me, that usually looks like a big glass of water first, then potentially a meditation, or right now I'm doing uh, Wim Hof's breath work. So I'll, I'll start off the day there. Um, I'm loving Wim Hof stuff and the breath holds because then what I've noticed is I can stack on another practice in the hold and I'll visualize, you know, any, any big goals, for example, while mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing the breath hold. So that's been really fun. Um, and then it usually jumps into some sort of physical movement, whether that's for me spinning or walk or running or some weights, um, which is usually anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes. And then it all wraps up with the kind of learning reflection piece. So for me, there's always three buckets, learning, reflecting or thinking, and then movement. And that last piece is usually something related around uh, to journaling or even reading just two or three pages out of a book of some sort, but reading them slow and actually reflecting and trying to apply them to, you know, what's going on in, in my world. Um, and then that's it. Then and if I'm not writing a book, then I actually start my work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, so when, when you are writing a book, is that when you go into book writing? Yeah. Yeah. For especially, yeah. Especially this book, it was, uh, it was the early mornings because at that time I essentially, I mean, I was working other jobs, so just regular freelance jobs and strategy jobs and whatnot, which would start around nine. So for me, like 
I try. I had to rearrange that morning practice so I could start a little bit earlier. But basically, I would write from seven till nine in the morning, um, Monday to Friday, to to get the the words out of my mind. Yeah, there you go. That's your your deep work time. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Well, this leads into one of the questions I like to ask, which is, what's a topic you're really into right now? So, like for you, I would say, like, what are you learning about right now? Ooh, I I would say I'm because this is relevant right now for me, I'm just learning and trying to bring in as many practices as possible to be very present Mm. with everything that's going on, um, including, you know, podcasts like these and just like being able to show up 100% present and also to be able to see, okay, is that an opportunity or is that a distraction? You know, what, like, what is that, for example, versus having everything just flying around my head. So I'm, you know, I'm reading books around that, that help trigger that. I'm, you know, it's part of the reason why I'm starting the day with the breath work and just really trying to focus on my breath. Um, If I'm going for a walk, I'm trying to do that without any music or podcasts and just being present with the environment around. So really like a combination of things all leading towards training that, you know, presence muscle, let's say. Did you used to struggle with that, with being present? I don't think, that's a great question. I've never thought of that. I want to say no, but then why am I working on it, right? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, some people like to work on things they're already good at, you know? (laughs) So I guess, I mean, I have to say, I have to say yes in some capacity. (laughs) I mean, the the main reason I'm doing it now though, like what's behind it that, I remember, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of the backstory, but when I was launching the journaling app, everything was so focused on users and acquisition and conversions and all, essentially all the regular tech kind of jargon. And now that I'm kind of launching the same thing, but in a book format, I'm really trying to go into that clear and not, Mm -hmm. not getting hung up on bestseller lists or how many books are sold and really just going in knowing that I feel good about the work and knowing that I'm connecting with just awesome humans that will lead to other things. And I don't know what those other things may be, but if I'm mm-hmm. clear and present, I'll, the, my, essentially my intuition will decide, right? Like that makes sense. So that's mm-hmm. what's behind, you know, the whole focus on presence. Yeah. Well, and that to, makes and sense. And to just enjoy the journey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think everybody could could use some of that presence work right now. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, okay, well, we're going to get back to that. But yeah. next thing, what is a product that you're really into? So this could be a uh, food product. It could be a book. It could be a supplement. Like what's a phys- some physical product you're really into right now? It could be your sound booth. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just saying, well, I'll pick two. Cause I, I mean, definitely that the sound booth has been just so instrumental and just making life way easier, uh, Mm -hmm. for recording a ton of podcasts, including my own, obviously, but then also an audio book. Um, and then the other thing, and this is a link, I mean, I know there's, it's, I mean, I don't know him, but I know he's been on your show, but Darren, uh, Olin, I mean, uh, actually, I think he's got some controversial thoughts about a Berkey, but I mean, it's my first step into you know, trying to purify water. So I've been pretty obsessed with making sure that, you know, even when I'm, I'm, I'm filling up 
uh, something to boil water for coffee, which, it, you know, I'm, I'm always having this mental battle because you always have to refill the Berkey and it takes a long time and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, but just again, being present, like, no, the, you know, water is so important for our health. I mean, it's ridiculous that I'm trying to shortcut, you know, this for coffee. I mean, this is where it should be used. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, so I'm really, uh, you know, I'm appreciating the, um, that fact and that at least feels like I'm getting better quality water. Yeah. Well, Berkey's definitely better than not Berkey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if yeah. you're not going to RO, well, here's your habit stack. So while it's filling up, this is when you charge the water with your affirmations, with your words, right? Shift yes. the molecular structure. So that there's your, there's your habit stack. Perfect. Yeah. I'm going to implement that. Yeah. I will also say the way I do the Berkey is, I don't know if you have a Vitamix, but I'll fill up the Vitamix thing and then I just pour it in. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. If, if anybody listening has trouble, like getting the water into the Berkey, but yeah. The habit stack is that's when you charge the water. And then you know that all the water coming through when you drink it, right? It's already been charged with the words. So, okay, let's talk about that. So how, like, how, how does that go down? I mean, is it just mm -hmm. like regular, just directing energy and, and again, being present to, to mm -hmm. these affirmations? Like, what's the flow of that? I mean, you can, I mean, I, I like to just put my hands around it because I just feel like it's adding intention, you know, just sending that energy, but it, say it out loud, right? And you can say like, for me, I have my whole, thing that I go through. I don't have it right now, but usually I have this big jar that says all of my affirmation words on it. So I'm charging the okay. water that I'm drinking. Um, this is something that I learned from Darren, actually, he's big into this, but you could even write it on your Berkey itself. But if you're saying it right, anything that we're saying, the water is picking up on and the water is shifting, um, it's molecular structure in response to what we're saying. So I can keep saying like, love, 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 abundance. I'm abundant. I'm wealthy. I'm healthy. I'm healing. Right. So I'll just yeah. keep saying the different things that I want. Um, and Love charge it. it that way. Boom. Yeah. More, I'm doing it next, next refill of the Berkey. Yep. There we go. So that's a little and we're done. This, this we're show done. is done. Love it. All right. Last but not least, I don't know if you know any of this, but do you happen to know your human design type? Oh, my sister-in-law did this for me, actually. Um, Are you a projector? I can't, I can't remember. Like I'm visually kind of seeing where the, I want to say it was, it was up where like my, I get, what would, there are those like hot spots or how, how would you? <laughs> yeah, your energy centers. Yeah, energy centers. But like, what, what was it? Generator, I'm, projector, manifester, reflector. Manifesting I mean, I generator. Feel like reflector and oh yeah, I could see that. But I'm gonna see if I have that somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I don't. It's okay. You okay. could you should send it to me later though, because I'm just curious. Yeah. That's I all did, right. I did go through it, and then my wife did it, then my sister-in-law, and we were all just having a big, awesome discussion around all this. It was really cool to go through that. I feel process. like you you'd love you'd love this stuff. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So you'll have to tell me. All okay. right. Well, do you know your astrology? Uh, well, it, in what sense? I probably do you know your know. sun sign? I mean, I know that I'm Taurus. Okay. You're a Taurus. There's your sun yeah. sign. All right. There we go. There we go. That's good. Okay, okay. Taurus. Do you know your Enneagram? No, I don't. Oh, all right. I feel like, I feel like you'd be a nine peacemaker. 
Ooh, but I like that. I'm just I'm just throwing out there. So anyway, well, yeah. that wasn't as helpful as it could have been. But <laughs> I, I like to you ask. Can't win them all. I mean, I'm yeah. already feeling good about the Berkey scenario. Yeah, I'm feeling good about it. So I just like to ask. All right. Well, okay. Let's just let's dive into the really interesting stuff because I'm excited about this because I feel like you're always you're like behind the scenes, like you're instigating the conversations, and now we get to turn it around and spotlight is on you. Right. Um, yeah. I always think that the interviewer is the most important person, the most important person to interview because they have all the knowledge, right? They have all of the collective knowledge of all of the people they've talked to. And you've talked to some pretty, some pretty incredible people, right? Well, thank you. Yeah. So, and you, you've been hosting your podcast for a while now. What, what got you into this? Yeah. I mean, the podcast started in combination with the journaling app that I was mentioning to you. So, you know, backing up about four years ago, um, I had a practice. I was at that time I was in the corporate world. I had a journaling practice for probably about eight years, just essentially getting up earlier. Uh, very similar in, in terms of the, the routine I, I had mentioned uh, for your, your first question. Um, and at the core of it, though, was journaling and some sort of reflective practice. And I just grew super frustrated with the digital tools that were available at that time because there was nothing really that would take prompts and guide people into a journaling practice at that time. I mean, there's definitely apps now that do that. Um, so what I was doing is I'd be, I'd be reading blogs or books. And then when podcasts started to really come out, I'd be listening to podcasts and I'd be writing down the reflective questions that I would be hearing from the stories, right. That were being shared. And then the next morning during my practice, I would reflect on those questions based on where I was at in my life. And it was, so anyway, it was like, if there was a copy and pasting situation always happening, cause I was using other apps to, to actually record the thoughts and stuff. And I'm like, this is ridiculous because at the time, Headspace and Calm were just coming to the market on the meditation front. And, you know, there was obviously some insight on, okay, well, clearly people are becoming a little bit more accepting of being guided in a digital fashion in this space. And it's starting to, you know, be discussed more and more. But again, at, at that moment, there was really nothing like that for journaling. So myself and my brother-in-law, we, we set out to create basically the, one of the first apps to do that. And it was called Kyo. It was the Japanese word for today. So just helping people really uh, harness the moment of the day and, 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 and also show that like reflection doesn't all, like these type of practices don't always just have to be if you're going on a silent retreat or something like that, that you could find this stuff in any moment, essentially on a daily basis. So when we launched the app, the, the idea was to, you know, we would load it with some content, but the idea was to then bring in experts and all these different perspectives from award-winning, you know, designers to Michelin star chefs and to entrepreneurs and executives, like all of these different people to bring in their reflective questions that then people can interact with, with those prompts. And that's what led into the podcast at that time. Cause then I would, you know, I'd interview these people and I would always ask for their, their, their three kind of top, uh, reflective questions. Those would land into the app. People would tap on them, would fire up a new journal entry, and then they would start to, you know, to do their reflection. So, so yeah, so that the, that's how the podcast started. And it's, um, I mean, the show has been rebranded because the, the app we had to shut down, which I can get into, but, um, the show 
concept and the format is exactly the same. And instead of being called Keo Conversations, which was obviously linked to the app, now it's just called Behind the Human. And I just get lit up every time I get to conduct an interview, mm-hmm. which obviously I'm proud to say that you were one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am proud to say so too. <laughs> that was so fun. Well, so I kind of want to back up because sure. I'm just curious why you think that you're so curious about other people and their habits. Like, where did that start? Yeah, well, so it started when I first basically started getting up earlier and started reading. And mm-hmm. at that time, I mean, the the sole objective was, I remember I was starting this corporate role and we were all hired essentially at the same time. There was probably like 30 or 40 people going through this this generalized corporate training for, the, for a sales job. And I'm like, well, if we're all going to do the same thing, I mean, there's no way that you know, how am I going to stand out from that pack? So I started reading this material and the the objective was read positive stuff and just take it in and start the day with a prime mind. But it didn't take long. I mean, I remember at that time I was reading like Success Magazine and uh, I can't, I mean, uh, Zen Habits, Leo Baboda's blog and all of these different things. And it didn't take long to see that no matter what I was reading, there was something related to reflection, taking time to pause and think. And then I started to become really interested with the idea that, well, wait a second. I mean, it seems like there are always questions around this. And when podcasts started to really come out, the, the part that really you know caused me to pause was that, and I'm sure you've been through this, but people tell the story, their story, and usually, you know, it, it goes up, it goes up, it hits some sort of wall, some sort of thing blows up in their life or their work. And then a forced moment of reflection happens. Usually there's a question there. And I noticed that for the most part that no one really focused on the question. They just, okay, you, 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 you found out what the, the new path was. And then let's talk about what you did to continue that journey. Where I got really interested was in, well, how is it that literally that one question in many cases, you know, save lives and completely change lives. So that's what started this, this obsession with questions because we Mm. all ask them. Yeah. Right. Well, what was your question? Well, my question, I mean, when uh, this relates to when we, we deleted the app because I mean, we reached a ton of people, 86.9 million app store impressions at the, at the end of the, the two years that it was up. And which was, you know, we were super grateful for that, but it didn't mean that it was, you know, the business was actually working. So the business models were not working. We weren't converting um, people as fast and as much as we needed to survive essentially for a subscription model. And when I hit delete, I'll never forget, because I was looking at the Apple dashboard and seeing these, these giant numbers and I'm about to hit delete from App Store. And I couldn't, I couldn't help but think like, how could we fail at such a colossal level? Like what would my ex-colleagues think that I remember when I was telling them I was leaving, that they were looking at me with these eyes of, wow, like you're so courageous. Like I have an idea too, but I just, I can't just do it. But now, now I'm coming back with, you know, it, it failed. Like it didn't work. It, it succeeded in so many different ways. And I actually don't see it as a failure, but financially it failed. and. I was just thrown into what 
would have led into deep depression because it was now what? Because I didn't want to go back to that past industry. I, you know, being in the mental fitness space, I'm like, this is the, this is the work I really am lit up to do. But I just deleted the vehicle that was keeping me in it. Um, couldn't afford where we were living. I had no plan forward. It was it was terrifying until I was able to coming back to present, dial into the present moment as much as possible, and and deploy gratitude practices whenever that loop would fire up to think clearly enough for even seconds to eventually get to the question, what do I want for my life? And then that led me down the next question, the next question after that, which led to a plan. And then I regained hope and motivation and and started working at it. But without that question, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I remember thinking how easy it would be you know, to just stay in that depressed spot and remember thinking, wow, this is, I get it. I get it now. Like, this is what it must feel like to hit rock bottom and not like have any hope forward and not know what to do. And literally one question, you know, my case, and I've seen it happen with others as well, but one question can completely change your life. Yeah. So I'm sure people are listening and thinking they don't understand how, if you're reaching 9 million people, yeah. It's not working financially. And yeah. I think this is where there's a lot of misunderstandings around the app space. You know, I have some close friends who run apps and I kind of see some behind the scenes because of that, but I think this is a really misunderstood yeah. like area. So could you maybe shed some light on that if somebody's like I don't get it, how could you be reaching that many people and it not making money? Yeah, that's a great question. So I mean 90 million pe- 90 million app store impressions. What that really means is is you know, if you're walking through an airport and you take glance over at the magazine on the rack that's a that's an impression doesn't mean you picked up the magazine doesn't mean you bought the magazine but you saw it so i mean that's that is step number one i i think if someone had researched the stat i think it's less than two percent of apps ever even have a thousand downloads type thing so it's you know it is wow it is pretty significant to actually get the look even though it doesn't sound that uh awesome from that perspective from there we had about I think we just had nearly 200,000 downloads. So still like a pretty decent amount of people coming in. There's no paid media on that. That was just collaborations and whatnot. And then from there though, you've got to keep people in the app. And that's where our model was not set up yet. I mean, we, we started getting featured all around the world from Apple and which was great, but people were coming in and people were leaving just as fast. So, you know, we needed more time, more money, essentially same story that you hear in so many cases in the startup world to really figure out, okay, what is the flow for someone that's coming in? How, you know, what makes the most sense? How can we provide the most value? Because we were creating an app to solve my problems and, you know, it solved my problems and and obviously other people were interested, but it was, you know, it's, there were, there were complexities in there that people obviously didn't understand or wasn't attractive enough to stay and pay for additional content. So at the end of the day, I mean, even though we had, even, even having something like a monthly uh, or a week, I think it was weekly, weekly active user count of around 10 or 15,000 people, that should be enough to really keep a, you know, somewhat of a, a decent sized revenue channel coming in. But it just, we weren't set up to uh, maximize that. And we knew like at the end, I remember it was so tough to make the decision because we had finally done some legit user research and had, you know, we talked to people and we're like, okay, this is, this is where we need to go next. Like we can see what the iteration is. 
But at that point, we weren't, we also weren't naive enough to think that we were going to nail it in one go. We had just brought in on, on another, I think the third development team. This time it was local in Toronto, cost way more, obviously. Um, and we just had no idea, you know, is it going to be three rounds of iterating the product at X amount of dollars? It's going to be 10, 15. I mean, at least if you could have somewhat of a prediction of, okay, if we do this, we'll be able to cover our costs, for example, because at that time, all we were covering were our Amazon server costs. And, you know, we have all these people coming in and they're storing journal entries and videos and audio notes and, and photos. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that costs a lot of money. And if the majority of your user base is not paying for that, uh, it, you can quickly see where that turns out. So, yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting. Cause it, I don't know, it mirror for me, it kind of mirrors why so many people don't make it in entrepreneurship because it requires consistency. And are you able to manage yourself? Are you, are you a self-starter? Are you able to like, do you need somebody who is kind of handholding you? Do you want instant gratification? And to me, somebody who's going to stick with a reflection practice, a journal practice has to be somebody who's like showing up to it and they already understand the importance of it. And I think yeah. that's where, you know, a lot of people really miss the boat. I have a lot of conversations with a lot of entrepreneurs who are just stuck or it's not working. And I'm like, the piece you're missing is you're not doing any work on yourself. Like you're yeah. not turning inward and they just, they they don't want to see that. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a gap for people in like understanding the, the importance of that and, and how much that gets people ahead. Right. But it's like, yeah. you look at, you know, better than anybody, you look at the habits of high achievers and like, you know, what do they have in common? And like you said, reflection practice, I'm sure there's some other things that, that come up. Well, you just, I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible to make smart and clear decisions if your mind's fogged, right. Mm -hmm. Or it's filled with fear and uncertainty and anxiety and whatnot. Right. And at the very end, that's, you know, unfortunately that was starting to happen to us. So even though, even though I was directly, you know, interviewing these people, you know, there were legit fears and financial fears and a family at a two-year-old at that time as well. And, you know, there was a lot going on um, to cloud the decision-making and eventually what, what ended up happening. And I wrote a profile on, on this individual, Scott Belsky, who, who founded Behance and is, is now, um, I think the head of product at Adobe, you know, he had this question or this, this thought around, you know, to continue through this messy middle, let's just call it of, of entrepreneurship. You have to have the same, if not more conviction than what you started out with. And if you've lost that somewhere along the way, then maybe it's time to consider doing something else. And that's where, you know, that's where things got real, real fast. Because I, I felt that. I felt that, you know what, there's something along the way as I gathered more data and more information around um, what we're doing that this might not be the path or I should say, this might not be the vehicle that I want to stay on. I knew that the path of working in mental fitness and helping people, you know, have access to these practices felt 100% right. But the way the app and our team and everything that was, you know, was shaping up and, and what was happening around us, something there felt off. And, and, you know, I started losing that drive. So it was an important question. I mean, in retrospect, I remember thinking about it, um, but that was probably one of the biggest pieces to that puzzle and making, making the decision and feeling like it was the right decision to make. 
Yeah. Well, so when you asked yourself that question of like, what do you want? What do I want for my life? What, what was your answer at the time? Yeah. I mean, at the time it was to, to continue to work and, and teach and guide people into the space of mental fitness and provide a different narrative around these practices so that they're more accessible and people are open to them. So then that left, so, you know, that goal or that desire was there. It had nothing to do with working on brand strategies and product strategies in the past life that I had come from. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, that was included obviously in, in my own work, but it was very clear to stay in this path. So then the next question is, well, what, what does that look like? Or who do I need to speak with to get more clarity on the different channels I can go? down the road, right? And that's when I made the decision, well, I still have the podcast. I mean, I'm going to keep the feed and rebrand it, keep that going. Um, I started doing consulting or strategist work that was specifically re related to mental fitness. And it was all with wellness brands and health brands um, to, to help on, on that front. And then eventually got to the place of everything comes back to these questions. And again, making the realization that we're all one question away from a completely different path or outcome that I feel like there, there is a book here. There's some sort of concept behind here that almost is very similar to how we were setting up the app and bringing in different people and different stories and perspectives, but to do it in a book format or do it in another format, because clearly people were interested you know, it was just the execution of, of the actual product that failed. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and, and that's where I'm at today. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is like how the human brain works, right? Like I remember being a teenager and just Googling all my favorite celebrities, like what they were doing. Right. Yeah. But it's like, so now it's like, oh, well, there's an entire book with all of these different incredible high achievers and really the way they think. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah like exactly. All, all in one. So I think we all know by this point that my blood is basically made up of Organifi. And people ask me all the time, where, where to start? What should I try first? Well, let me tell you two of my must-have Organifi products that you are going to be obsessed with. The first, I start my morning off every single day with Organifi green juice. It is the best green juice I've ever tried. I tried juicing for a while and... Honestly, it just felt like a hassle, so I didn't stick with it. What I love about green juice is you just put a scoop in water. I like to also put some nut milk in there too, but you don't need it. And it has 11 different superfoods that are amazing for detoxifying the body and giving you a natural boost of energy in the morning. It is so refreshing. It has this minty flavor, so good, and has a lot of the ingredients that I like to uh, consume in the morning anyway. So it's great to get it all in one juice, including Moringa, amazing for naturally boosting energy, so great for the skin. Ashwagandha, which is amazing for balancing out cortisol levels in your body. Spirulina, chlorella, which are amazing for naturally supporting detoxification, plus so many other ingredients that naturally support the body all in a very tasty blend. I cannot live without my Organifi Greens. It is my favorite way to start the day. Another one of my favorite products is the Organifi Harmony. Holy crap. If you don't have Organifi Harmony, you need to buy it right now. It is the most delicious, healthy hot chocolate out there. And truly all you need is some hot water, put a scoop of Organifi Harmony in there and mix it up and you are good to go. This is designed to support hormonal balance, specifically if you are a woman and you're looking to optimize your female sex hormones, this is a delicious way to do it. There are so many incredible ingredients, obviously cacao, but also maca, chaste berry, shatavari, 
so many incredible ingredients that support healthy hormones and help to fight fatigue. And it tastes so good. Honestly, even if this didn't have health benefits, I would drink it every single day. I cannot live without it. It is delicious. So if you want to try out either of those products or any of Organifi's other incredible products, you know, I'm obsessed with their entire line. Just head to Organifi.com slash CTC and that code CTC will get you 20% off your order. Again, that's Organifi.com slash CTC. That is spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash CTC and that code CTC will get you 20% off. Did writing this book or just the process of like birthing it, bring it to the world, kick up any stuff from your app time? Um, I think it, it brought perspective in how powerful the practices were and are that I think I forgot quickly mm-hmm. because to, to, I don't know how people write any books without these practices. I feel like, I feel like I was fortunate. Well, most people don't write books. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Thanks. Well said. But I mean, I felt like I felt super grateful that I was writing about this material and that the material itself was allowing me to continue down the journey. You know, I had little cue cards with affirmations and reminders of, you know, quantity over quality right now. That's the focus, you know, write as if you're speaking with a friend. I mean, these were all things I was, you know, getting, you know, from my editor and and the, and the publishing team, but you know, just being able to be clear enough to, you know, not follow my own looping narrative and, and get stuck or be blocked or whatever, you know, instead of just trying to plow through writing a profile, if it wasn't working, this happened so many times with, um, two of the, in particular, Coco Chanel and Robin Williams I had to pause so many times and then just go to another one and outline that or, or, or pick up and then come back when it felt right. And it's hard to do that because you, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to complete it or you want to see the progress there, but to just trust that, okay, this is the journey. I know enough about these practices to not really try to force that because I'm going to have to rewrite it anyway, if I do that. Right. So it was, I mean, the whole process of writing, I mean, it's true what they say. It's, it's incredibly hard to write a book like that. I get now. Um, but it was really humbling in the sense that. I, I believe in this stuff even more now, yeah. right? Cause I was, you know, as I'm writing the Picasso profile, I'm doing the exercises live that are in there and going through them just like a reader would, for example. So I'm getting just as much, just as much out of it than, you know, hopefully the people on the other side do as well. Yeah. That's so cool. So can you explain more about like the format of the books so people understand Yeah, like, with the different profiles? Yeah. So, I mean, the idea, again, everything that I'm all about is really to talk about journaling and reflection in uh, a narrative that hopefully is relatable to really anyone at any place in their life. Like that's kind of the, the core objective. So the idea here, and again, this is where it's highly relatable to the app, was to look at all of the people I've interviewed over the last four years, and then also some names and of people like the ones I just mentioned that it doesn't matter who you are, you'll recognize those individuals. Cause then it's an entry point, right? Cause you're not going to recognize every person in the book. There's, I mean, your audience probably would definitely recognize people like John Azrath or, um, I'm trying to think of a few others that would, or Jill Winterstein, for example. 
uh, from Spirit Daughter. But then there are others in there that you might just have no idea, but the prompt might be interesting. So the idea is that the book is filled with, there's about 40 profiles. They all open up with a um, big prompt, essentially, that is followed up by uh, subsequent reflective questions, which hence the title, Personal Socrates. It's following a Socratic method of asking questions. And they're with people that, you know, I've studied their, their, their life or their work and that those questions are inspired by that individual. So then, then everything in there, there are stories to kind of back up, you know, how they're thinking and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, the idea is that you, if, if you have a mental fitness practice, it's something that can help upgrade the questions that you're, you're thinking about. And if you don't, I mean, the idea, they're two to four page profiles that, you know, it, it would take five or 10 minutes to, to take, you know, to read that. And then that can be your mental fitness practice. Mm -hmm. so. so for the, for the people that you have interviewed or like that, you know, personally, did you reach out to them and get their questions or, or like specifically, or like, okay, for example, I know Melissa Ambrosini is in the book, right? Yeah. Um, so she's been on this podcast. So, and I know you've interviewed her as well. So did you like reach out to Melissa and ask her the questions or were these inspired by like her work and your conversation with her? Yeah. So for her, so she, she I was lucky she, she's been on the show twice. So there was quite a bit of, con of content. Uh, the process for those type of profiles, I would re-listen to those interviews and then Pull, so in some cases, pull a direct question from them. But I would say that's maybe 50-50 uh, of, of the situations. You know, some cases there was a really you know, tight question that they left on the show. In other cases, like with Melissa, for example, both conversations, we talked a lot about relationships. And so her questions around, uh, you know, what expectations are you putting on your relationship, for example. And there was a whole, there was a part in the podcast with her where we talked about expectations. It might not be, she might not have left that question, but then it's, it's backed up with the practices she left to help identify those, those, um, those expectations. And then obviously I'd go a little bit further jumping into their work as well and, and marry it up. But the, the, the point being, it, it wasn't to do this massive review of all of their works, especially when it came to like the legends of the past, like Kobe Bryant or Robin Williams. My job wasn't to, and this was, this was my own mental battle. This was hard. Like my job wasn't to write a biography on them. It was to do enough research where I felt clear and confident, just like when you're going into an interview that you feel you know, confident enough to ask the questions and, and ha hold a conversation, but not too much to, you know, just put too much opinion or bias into the actual writing. So that's, it was a fine balance to get to that point. But also again, why I, I left or finished the, the whole writing process, feeling really confident in, in how it's set up because the book is structured around first getting clear, then getting intentional with your thoughts and your actions. And then from there, um, which essentially marries up really well, I mean, I had to do the research to get clear, then I had to do the outline to be intentional with what I was writing. And then from there, if you're doing those things, those two steps, the third step just comes by default. And then there's an expanded possibility or opportunity shows up in the writing. It means that, you know, you can write something that, that you feel good about in life. That's, you know what it is. That's when people start calling. That's when you start seeing the opportunity, right? I mean... It's not, mm -hmm. it's not by fluke that that's happening. No, it's not. I mean, you know, I call it 
I call it manifestation. I call it yeah. universe conspiring with me. You know, it's just, yes. <laughs> it's all the same thing. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I love this because I'm obsessed with questions. Like this is, this yeah. is my jam. I love journaling. You know, I will use different tools for, for that. I'm curious who was, who was the most difficult for you to write and why? Coco Chanel was probably the most challenging because I, I mean, I only really knew, obviously, I knew of her, her and her brand. And that's kind of as far as, you know, my education went. And the more I, I jumped in uh, to her life and what she had accomplished and where she had come from and that whole journey, the more I was realizing that, you know, not only with her as a, as a human and her presence that she would leave behind, but that she created these brands that literally, you know, you can smell as left behind, for example, whether that's a good or bad thing, but I mean, you can't, you, you can't argue. I mean, a I lot think of it's people, a good thing. right. A lot of, a lot of people know, uh, you know, Chanel number five and things like that. Even to the point when I was writing the profile, there's a section in there or my editor left a comment saying, oh, my mother would love this. She has this like lifelong dream to just have this giant oversized Chanel number no. five bottle uh, <laughs> in like her entrance, just to remind her of like what's possible. And I'm like, wow, that is, see, that is powerful. That's that, I mean, she's, you know, she's no longer with us, but man, her presence and her brand, what she did has been left and is, is you know, continuing to move forward. But it was hard to like to unravel that and figure out, okay, well, what what was the angle to to present that story from, right? Because I I wasn't finding, like, especially with people that are no longer here, and especially as the farther you go back, like Jane Austen and things like that, there's not a lot of information, and especially when it comes to mental fitness types. I mean, back in those days, no one was talking about it, right? So it's not like I could just, oh yeah, here's the, here's the part in the book where Coco got up and, you know, did 15 minutes of journaling and, and then came <laughs> up with this. It was more about, okay, seeing how she would, you know, present herself in all of these different cases and what we could take from that and learn and apply to our lives through a mental fitness angle. Mm -hmm. So those ones were hard because then, you know, that's, that, those are the ones I had to pause and just try not to you know, go nuts trying to figure out which avenue to go down. Yeah. I mean, I do think you can tell a lot about a person by what they choose to create and how they choose to create it. Right. Like yeah. if you read all of Jane Austen's novels, you get a sense of, you know, her personality, <laughs> yeah. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's not, that's not easy, right? You don't know exactly, exactly what they were doing. So what, what ended up being like, could you offer a question from the Coco Chanel? One, like what was the gist? Yeah, came, her main her, her main prompt or opening prompt for hers is is um how can I become irreplaceable? And the Ooh, idea I love that. Yeah. The the idea behind it or how readers are, are guided through the the profile is really just again slowing down to understand who you are right now and who you want to become or who you want to be, and then start thinking about like we all know this, you know, we, we all leave a presence of some sort behind after we leave a room or after a phone call, um, whether we like it or not, it, it, I would rather spend some time and leave something that's a little bit more intentional. I mean, for me, it's always, I, I've, and I, I credit this to my parents, but for me, it, 
I want to leave people energized, you know, when I leave a conversation and it obviously doesn't happen every time, but like, that's my objective. I've thought about that, but many people don't think about that. Right. And then you, you leave a room and, and you see it. If you're part of that room, you feel deflated or you feel like, oh, so-and-so is going to come in and it's going to be like stressful. Right. I mean, we all know those type of people. So again, it, and I'm not trying to say one's bad, one's, one's good, but the idea again is to just think about what presence you're leaving behind and what presence you want to leave behind. And then I, you know, I layer in all these examples from her life and, and how that relates to, you know, entering a room with confidence mm -hmm. and, and really, you know, standing your ground and making, you know, decisions that you feel good about. Um, it all links together. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I'm thinking, and I'm like, well, I know my, my intention is always, I want people to always leave you know, whether it's a podcast, obviously, but if it's just, I'm going out to coffee with a friend, I want people to always leave feeling like they learn something about themselves or they're thinking about something about themselves that they've never yeah. thought about before, you know, love it. That, love that's, it. that's what I like. Like when people will be like, you know, I was really thinking since you said that I never thought about that. Or when somebody asks me, whenever somebody says, no one has ever asked me that before. That is the biggest compliment. And I already got one yeah, out of you. You got, I was just going to say, you got me on that one. It, <laughs> it reminds me because uh, for me, like for my podcast, uh, all the shows start off with kind of a pretty loaded question, as you know, of who are you, right? And some people can ask, answer that, you know, a lot more easier than others because they've thought about it. But my behind the scenes kind of ambition or goal behind asking a question like that it, it links up really uh well with what you're saying or your your goal is that when they leave the show that if that was a bit of a challenging question that they're actually left thinking a little bit more about well yeah who am i like what what is mm -hmm. important to me for example so yeah it's a simple question and it's loaded <laughs> bit loaded it's a bit loaded what, what do you think you know, it's something that I, that has really helped me in my life is I have a mentor who she would always tell me, she's like, you're going to succeed at life when you learn to ask good questions. Yeah. And I realized I was like, I need to ask better questions. And so I'm curious, what do you think makes a good question? Yeah, that is a great question. First of all. Um, and I've thought a lot about this because I don't, I mean, there, there's always extremes, obviously, but on average, I don't think there's such thing as a really bad question, but what makes a good question or brings a good question to a great question is the timing and the relevance, right? For example, I mean, as I shared for me, what do I want for my life? That literally pulled me out of a depression and who knows how far that was going to go. But if you ask me that same question now, it's more of a check-in for me. I'm like, okay, am I, am I still on that path? Has something changed? It's valuable, but it's not at the same level of, as what it was, you know, a few years ago, for example. So that's, and, and that's what I really like about any type of journaling or reflective practices is that the more you're doing these things, the more clear you're becoming. And the more you then start to see the questions that you need to be thinking about right now. Like if I've done my job as the author on the book, um, you should answer your favorite question. It should be, it should be different today than it is in, in a month from now because your life changes, obviously, right? You know, the, like life happens, we're working on different things, different relationships are happening. So what's relevant today should be different tomorrow, for example, maybe not tomorrow, but in a month or so from now. 
So that's why, I mean, it's, it's always, I've been asked before, you know, like, what's your favorite question? I mean, right now, you know, it might be X, but in a month from now, it'll probably be something else. And that's, that's the magic. And I think that's the, the, you know, the sweet spot of the actual practice. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I mean, not that I don't care, but <laughs> I'm more interested in what's your least favorite question, because I feel like the questions that we don't want to answer are the ones that we need to do the most. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like if you yeah. go through the book and you're like, I don't like that question. It's probably the one you should look at. Exactly. That's where you should start for yeah. sure. For sure. So, so then my question is, what question do you feel like? I mean, you wrote them, right? But it's like, I'm sure there, there is, there's one or a few that stand out as like, Ooh, that one like hits me a little bit. <laughs> it's yeah. a little gets in there. Well, I think, I mean, any of the ones that really, I mean, for me personally, I've spent a lot of time on kind of like the, who are you or who am I, or, you know, who am I, who am I optimizing to become, which is a, one of the James Clear questions. Um, the ones that still kind of like shake me up a little bit are the ones that really, you know, strike the vulnerability cord, which would be around, you know, what discomfort are you running from? I mean, we can all probably pick certain things or, um, this isn't a, a leading question, but it definitely comes up in some of the, you know, the body copy, but just what are you pretending not to know? Right. And I mean, that's a big one that I feel like any of us can answer. Uh, Nutrition is the easiest one to think, right. To, to look at, we know when we're, we're not eating properly. We know we're either feeling disease or we're feeling health. I mean, it's not super complicated to, to know, uh, when we're eating like garbage. Um, but how do we shift out of that? Right. Like, how do we, how do we link it to, okay, well, if I, if I answered the question truthfully and, and I'm still doing, you know, the action that I, I have the insight now that I know this is not right. Okay. Well then what's the next step? And usually that's, you know, to tie it to a bigger goal, right. Or a bigger objective or, or link it to the person you really want to become as the reminder. And again, it just all loops, right? Like it doesn't, this stuff isn't super complicated. I mean, it's, there's Olympic level athletes in the book that literally have post-it reminder systems in their closet to remind them of their goal or they have an affirmation or an, an intention, right? I mean, we make things so complicated, mm-hmm. but if we can just keep it simple and, and keep ourselves reminded of where we're, where we're striving to go, then, then those little micro decisions throughout the day become a lot more obvious. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, I think health is another great example, right? People are so busy with their next best diet and all these supplements. And it's like, they're not sleeping. They're not going on a walk. They're not getting sunshine, right? It's like the simple stuff that actually moves the needle, but we seem to avoid that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, there was one point I I had a reflection in the, actually was the same profile with Apollo Ono, who's a short track speed skater. And there was at one point in our interview, he just talked about when he retired from, from skating, basically all his practices just like went to shit, right? Like he just stopped all of it. Mm-hmm. And he noticed right away when the mental fitness stuff stopped, like he just started to feel slower, you know, mentally and, and all of this. And it came back to just the basics. Am I getting outside? Am I eating healthy? Am I moving? And am I sleeping? And my reflection here, and you'll probably resonate with this as well, because I know you're really into health. Um, and, and so am I, and I like, I, I love all the tech behind it and this and that, but at the end of the day, you know, when you're not sleeping well, 
I don't need an app, an aura ring or a whoop strap to say your sleep sucks. Like you should probably go to bed. I mean, it's helpful. I'm not discrediting the technology, but I mean, really when we dial it back to the basics, we know, like we, we 100% know that we're going to bed later. We're having alcohol too close to bedtime. Like I, there are a million different things that can come up, but we know, right? Mm-hmm. We know. Yeah, but we've just been trained not to trust ourselves, right? (laughs) Like I need a piece of paper. I need to look at something. This is how people think, like to prove to me that I that this is actually happening. It's not just (laughs) in my head. Right. It's very interesting. Um, well, I I I'm really curious, like in this research, obviously, you probably and combined with just what you've learned about people through your podcast, you I think you have a good idea of a lot of the common habits of high achievers. And so you talked about having a reflection practice. What are some other key things that as simple as they might be that you see coming up again and again and again that these people all have in common? Yeah. I mean, it, it, by far it's, it's something around getting clear, right. And clear on, on, on where you're heading and what you're doing. And then, then it leads into obviously taking the right steps forward. I think the other big one is stillness. And really, I mean, this links to reflective practices, but we, I don't think we talk about this enough. I mean, we're, there's just so much around us just in society and how we work and all the stuff that is, is on autopilot. It's always an autopilot or like you're on the treadmill. It's this, this, that it's, it's, you know, follow these steps to get this outcome, for example. And we, it's like, we've lost the luxury or the ability to think and to think really well you, it helps to have a calm mind and some stillness there, right? Like there's no, it's no surprise that ideas come up in the shower or if you're going on a long run or something, it's your mind's somewhat still. You're not thinking about all of these other things. So I think there's this misconception and I've, I've noticed this with billionaires in particular that, okay, they, they're running these massive businesses with thousands of people and there's a lot of money involved and, and whatnot. And that there must be no time to actually be still and think, which is the, I mean, there, there is what you make of, of the time that you have, but they prioritize the time, you know, one was running Swiss vitamins out of Australia and, you know, he would be, he had a glass office to show everyone that he would meditate twice a day and the importance of that, for example. And then Naveen Jain is another one that comes to mind all the time who, you know, he's running, uh, uh, Viome, which is, uh, I'm sure you're aware yeah. of Viome, right? Okay. Uh, basically he's trying to eliminate chronic disease, which is awesome. And he's got a few other companies, but you know, when he's faced with massive decisions, you know, he, he shared with me, he would get all the information, he'd see all the slides and all the data and whatnot. But then at the end of the day, he would take the 15 minutes and just everyone out I need to close my eyes and visualize myself six months down the road, having made that decision. Does it feel right? And if the answer is no, even though the data and all this stuff is saying something else, then the answer is no. And he's like, it saved millions of dollars, you know? So again, you, you know, just quieting down and being still and allowing our mind to do its thing. Cause we, I mean, we're super intelligent humans. We have mm-hmm. so much knowledge up there. If we just, again, slow it down enough to connect the dots. Yeah. Well, look at that. Lots of spirit, spiritually aware people. Seems See? like. 
I feel like what you call mental fitness, I call spiritual fitness. Yes, I love <laughs> like, it. It's like the same thing. Well, I'm curious, what was, give me a, an overview of the, the profile from Jill from Spirit Daughter. Well, Jill was me. That's another example of me being super, I guess, vulnerable. And, and it feels kind of embarrassing to admit it on your show, knowing the audience <laughs> and what you work with. But I remember when I lined up Jill to come on the show, I was super skeptical. Like all I knew was that, you know, my sign was Taurus. I sent, you know, essentially, I mean, I could, I wish I could answer more. I feel embarrassed that I couldn't answer all of your questions, <laughs> but the difference though, from then until now is the openness to, to explore all these different realms. So the idea in, in writing Jill's profile was essentially kind of writing it for the, the version of myself, you know, four or five years ago that would have discredited, um, her work in a way, you know, not, not in a mean way, but like, really like, like, what are you talking about with all like the moon energy and this and that? And the way the, I mean, her opening prompt is, uh, who am I without this thought? And we dive into, you know, that just again, pausing and, and thinking of the things that, you know, are running in our internal narrative. But then the second part of the profile is, well, if you're taking the time reading this book and doing other practices to slow down and reflect and do your journaling, there is zero downside to trying to line that up with, you know, new moons and all of the other things that are going on in the universe. And that's kind of like where I land. I want to learn more. I clearly don't, you know, I don't know enough in this space, but my, you know, my invitation, I guess, to myself is to at least start with lining up the practices I'm already doing with some, some, you know, some higher powers. And Jill said it beautifully. I mean, if the, if the moon can move the tide, I mean, and we're, you know, made up of what, 70, 70 plus percent water, um, there's gotta be something going on there. Right. And yeah. there's so many examples. So again, there's just a lot of open invitations in her profile to take some of the practices of, that are already discussed in the book, but then link them up with, um, you know, some of the things she talks about. I share some direct quotes from her, for, from some of her moon um, workbooks and whatnot, just to show what's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Well, what, what do you feel like was the most surprising part of this process for you? Oh, man, you've got great questions. Oh, thank I you. This. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the most surprising part to be comp- completely transparent, I mean, was just actually coming out the other side of writing it, feeling so clear and so aligned in the work. I mean, I knew that this is the stuff that, that lit me up, but the difference with launching the book and everything that's around it from the app, what the app was, I think I said, you know, it was very focused on gaining users and all of that and, and trying to make a, you know, viable business where, you know, obviously I, I want people to read the book, but I'm content. Like I'm already proud of the work and the journey that's gone into it that I just, I'm excited for the unknown versus three years ago, I would have feared the unknown. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's a good one. Is that one in the book? Something about the unknown? I mean, there's definitely a lot about just the What's your relationship of the unknown. with the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, a, a lot prompt. of people are afraid of it. So yeah, but something well, flipped while I was, while I was writing it, which essentially meant that I was practicing, you know, the stuff that's in it 
that got me to this place. And this is the first time I've, I've felt, you know, at this, I guess, connected to the work, which, I mean, it's hard to describe how that feels, right? When you really, truly know you're on the right path and that a lot of the fear kind of dissolves because there's been a lot, just even through the process of the book, there have been so many moments that should have been insane stress kind of scenarios, you know, but for whatever it's worth, I guess the, the clarity pieces are working and it's, you know, that's just, that's part of the journey. It's, it's okay. Everything will work out, work out. So it's trusting the plan. Oh, totally. Look, look at you. So universally aware. I love it. <laughs> trusting the plan. This is all new. No. Amazing. You're just like, you're just like catching the vibe, you know? Well, for anybody who is interested in this, you know, like maybe you can just share why you're so passionate about people doing this work. Like, what is this going to, what can this open up for people? Well, I think at the end of the day, you know, it opens up a new level of curiosity that you can take anywhere in, in any work that you do in your life, your relationships, everything. And it's just, again, like I said, we're all asking questions, but there's a whole other beautiful world that is open if we, you know, just slightly tweak those questions and ask maybe a few more and, and ask them that, you know, in a way that are timed a little bit more or that are a little bit more aligned in terms of where we're going or where we're trying to, to head. And, you know, when you start doing that, then, I mean, I can't read a book without flipping the, the insights into some sort of prompt. You know, if I'm reading a, a chapter on happiness, I mean, I'm coming out of that with several questions on like, okay, what are my happiness triggers? Like, what, what does that mean for me type thing? And then you're, so you're just on this continual loop of learning about yourself and your, and others, and you just, you feel better and you can handle, uh, emotionally charged situations. You can learn from them and then people around you feel better. And it's just, it, it's just a loop that, I mean, that's the infinity scroll loop that I want to be on versus Instagrams. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know what they say, if you don't know the answer, you better ask a better question. Absolutely. That's it. Well, I'm really excited uh, to dive deeper into all of the amazing prompts in this book. So can you let everybody know where can they get it? Where can they connect with you? All, all the places. Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you so much for awesome questions and for being present and showing up with, I mean, I expected this energy from you just knowing you, but I mean, it obviously it lights me up and I'm smiling. Um, easiest place. I mean, the, cause the podcast is there, the books there, uh, all the socials and stuff is just my website, which is behind the And, uh, you'll see all the options, um, for the book. It's actually, as of today, it's open for pre-orders. Uh, highly suggest the, the physical copy cause it's, uh, you know, the publisher is not your traditional book publisher. They produce journals and guided journals and notebooks. So small things like, hey, I always try to write in a book and it keeps flipping open and closed and the pages are flying around. Well, you know, this one, just like their journals, lay flat. You know, there's small things like that for, for that. us reflection of uh, yeah. So anyway, so, um, but there also is a Kindle and an audiobook and all that stuff too. All right. Amazing. Well, we will put all of your links 
in the show notes below. Mark, you are a joy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your work. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Huge thank you to Mark for coming on the podcast. Be sure to grab his new book, Personal Socrates. It will change your life in so many ways. You can head to behindthehuman.com to get your copy and learn more from Mark. And be sure to check out his podcast, Behind the Human. And you can find him on Instagram at Behind the Human. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to take a screenshot and share it to social media. Tag me at Christina the channel tag mark at behind the human i appreciate it so much when you share it really really makes a huge difference in growing our community and sharing this information with other people that's going to be it for today's show thanks again so much for tuning in sending you lots of love and i will chat with you again next episode